Good morning, everyone. My name is Ricky, and uh, great to have you here with us. I always love Sunday mornings because we get to be together here worshiping God. I find myself waking up in the morning and just full of energy. Cannot wait to get here while the rest of my family is fast asleep. I'm sorting the dogs out and making some coffee and like doing this all by myself um, until the rest of the family arises. But we're currently busy with the When All Is Said and Done series, the seven I Am statements that Jesus said. When I think of these uh, statements, it reminds me of the scripture in Exodus 3.14 where Moses is speaking to God and he's a little bit apprehensive about facing Israel and Pharaoh and he's going to say, what, did, what did I tell them? What must I say? You've told me to, to deliver them. And God says, just tell them I am. And it speaks about God as Yahweh, his divinity. And what we are trying to achieve with this series is that we, we're speaking about who Jesus is, not about what he can do, the person of Jesus Christ. We've spoken about I am the bread, and last week I am the light of the world. If you haven't listened to them, please visit our website and you can, you can get those audios. But we've had some incredible moments. And... Today I'm going to be speaking about I am the door and I am the good shepherd. If you can turn to John 10 in your Bibles. As my introduction, I'm going to speak to you about sheep. Do any of you own a sheep? Please don't be embarrassed. If you do have one in your backyard, there, nobody, has anybody owned a sheep before? There we go. The Hollanders. <laughs> no, not Byron, just Lisa. <laughs> okay. But I realized, I knew sheep were not that clever, but I realized this week how dumb they are. So sheep have very bad eyesight. They also, if they fall, they're scared of running water. If they fall into running water, they will drown. They won't do anything. Also, sheep, if they are faced uh, with a predator, they won't try and save themselves. They'll just stand there and wait to be consumed. <laughs> they easy prey. But then also, if you put a flock of sheep onto a pasture of grass, they will stay there and finish the whole pasture until it's done. And if they're done, they won't even move to the new pasture to get more. They will just stay there. Sheep require someone to lead them to another pasture. So, but I don't want us to think about how dumb sheep are today. If you look in your Bible at the top of John 10, it most probably says the good shepherd. I want to speak to you about how good Jesus is. That's what I'm going to focus on today. Let's not worry about how dumb we are as sheep. I'm going to, I've broken up this portion of scripture into three parts, verses 1 to 6, 7 to 10, and 11 to 18. Let's read from verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus starts off with a Hebrew word which means amen. In some translations, it doesn't say truly, truly, it says amen, amen. And what he is trying to say, that word amen means so be it. Jesus is about to 
give a spiritual truth and insight. But before he does that, he says, guys, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm going to affirm you in something, but I need you to hear what I'm saying. So be it. If you look at the other gospels, that word amen tends to come at the end of a statement. Jesus puts it right up front in this portion. He says, truly, truly. He doesn't just say it once. He says it twice. So he emphatically is affirming us to please take note of what I'm about to say. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now to put this into context, this portion is a word picture, a parable of what has just taken place in chapter 9. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he is sharing this parable, a simple story about a spiritual truth in our lives. So we need to actually go back and just have a quick look at what happened in chapter 9. What happened in chapter 9? Jesus saw a blind man from birth. He mixed his saliva with the mud, with the sand to make mud. He wiped it on his eyes. He told this gentleman to go and wash his eyes. And what happened? He was healed. We are introduced to a group of people and their reactions to this healing. The first were the neighbors and those who saw him every day. They, they used to see him as a beggar. And when I read that, I was like, wow. Jesus saw this man, went to him, and healed him. I don't think Jesus saw him as a beggar. He saw him as someone that he loved and who needed to receive something from Jesus. The neighbors saw him as the beggar. It says that in your Bible. They were surprised they were skeptical. It's like, isn't this the guy who's been begging and he's been like that for the rest, for, for his whole life? And they weren't sure that, and they asked him, listen, what has happened here? And he speaks to them about Jesus. They then took him to the Pharisees. And what is the Pharisees' initial response? It's like, whoever did this to you disobeyed the law. He healed he did this act of healing on the Sabbath. He cannot be from God. He must be a sinner. That is the Pharisees' initial response. That's crazy for me. They should have been throwing a party. Blind from birth to seeing. But no, hang on, hang on. It happened on Sunday or whatever the Sabbath was. This cannot be from God. They then... Pharisees said, let's go speak to his parents. They said, is this your son? They said, yes. Was he born blind? Yes. Can he see now? Yes. So what happened and who did this to him? We don't know. We don't know this Jesus. How, why did they respond that way? Out of fear and intimidation. And that is what 
rules and regulations were doing to these people. They were scared of being thrown out of the synagogue. The Pharisees went back to the man who was healed and they said, okay, okay, let's just try to get this straight. What happened? He responds by saying, I told you what happened. Spit, dirt, mud, wash. I was blind, but now I can see. Something like this has never happened before. Isn't that amazing? I said, well, just don't get too excited. Let's just assess this. He cannot have been a man of God because, you know, he worked on, on the Sunday. No. This man has received life. He's gone from a place of being physically and spiritually blind, having an encounter with Jesus, to where he is physically seen, and then he starts to minister to the Pharisees. They said, who do you think he is? I think he's a prophet. And then he starts to minister to them. Eventually, they revile him. That's what my Bible says. He, they were indignant. He said, okay, we know that you are a disciple of this Jesus. We are disciples of Moses. Moses represented the law. Not that it was bad. The law was there to teach and direct and guide. But I think the Pharisees were so bound by the law that they had no relationship with the one who gave the law, the lawgiver. You were born in Utterson. This was their last statement to him. And you try and teach us, we cast you out of the synagogue. And they casted him out. And the last person who, Jesus started this and he ends it. Jesus goes and he finds this man again. And he says, do you believe in the Son of God? And he says, please tell me, who is this man? He says, the one who is speaking to you. And he says, I believe in you, Jesus. And he worships him. Isn't that a beautiful story? A man who found life. And the thing that I love about it is Jesus went to find him. Another thought that I had is the man was blind, but he wasn't deaf. He couldn't see, but he heard. He heard the voice of the one who loved him. Jesus went on and the Pharisees are there and Jesus is speaking to this man. Jesus says, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. And then Jesus goes into this portion, verse 1 to 6, the word picture of what has just happened. And he says, okay, I want to explain this to you a little bit more. And he introduces us to a couple of things. He speaks about sheepfolds, thieves and robbers, sheep, shepherds. And I want to just explain a bit of that so that we can understand the context. So the sheepfolds, in the village, there was this public space where all the shepherds could bring their sheep. So the shepherd would come with his sheep, drop off uh, his sheep into this sheepfold. There was a guard or a gatekeeper at the sheepfold, and he would go off and do his stuff. Then another shepherd would come, and in the end, you would have this massive group of sheep in a sheepfold in a public space guarded by a gatekeeper. The guard could only allow authorized shepherds to come and call and fetch their own sheep. That was his duty. Any un unauthorized person who he did not recognize, who came to that, the, the front entrance of the sheepfold, he did not allow them to take the sheep. 
Jesus goes on to speak about thieves and robbers, and he was referring to the Pharisees. Now, if I think about a thief, his nature is one of stealth and stealing. He'll quietly come and try and cause disruption, but a a robber is one who is armed, and the intention is to do harm. Jesus uses this destruction of the Pharisees. I was like, wow, Jesus did not hold back here. You know, he, he told it like he saw it. The Pharisees got their positions of shepherd-like leadership without the blessing of the gatekeeper. In this picture, if those thieves and robbers had to come to the gatekeeper, he wouldn't have allowed them in. So they would have to get in another way. They were illegitimate. They were false shepherds. They were not faithful. And in verse 5, it refers to them as strangers to the sheep. If they did not enter by the door, you were considered a thief or a robber. Now sheep, and I've shared a little bit about them already, but the only defense that a sheep has is to recognize the voice of the shepherd. Isn't that an incredible thought? Not just the sound of the shepherd's voice, but the sound of their name when called by the shepherd. So as far as I understand, and if... Uh, Google is correct. At that time, the shepherd had a name for every sheep in his flock. By name. So the shepherd would come to the gatekeeper and he would start to call out his sheep. And they would come. The sheep that didn't recognize his voice or who didn't recognize their name, they wouldn't come. Isn't that an amazing thought? Now, we have quite a few dogs. We've got four dogs. I can't even get that right with my dogs. You know, it's it's a general general call. Hey, dogs, come. You know, I use the kids to go round them up. But so during the break, I went and I had a quick look because I I was thought, what what kind of names do you think they would have given to sheep? Yeah, Yeah, a few possible sheep names. William, <laughs> Wilbur, Ramsey, Lambert, Lamborghini, Bartholomew. This is my favorite one. It's a little bit naughty. Butthead. Eunice, Wilma, and I don't mean to... Um, take the mickey out of anyone's name, but I thought that was quite funny. So sheep, and and here we just see a connection between the shepherd and the sheep, a a personalized bond. The shepherd was invested in the life of these sheep. Then Then we introduced to a shepherd. The legitimate shepherd comes into the fold with the blessing of the gatekeeper. And the portion says that he calls out to the sheep, they hear his voice, and then he leads them out of the sheepfold. This, is, this talks about protection for me. He, when he leads them, the shepherd went ahead of the sheep. So if they did encounter any danger, the shepherd would have been the first one to have to defend the sheep. It also talks about provision. He led the sheep out of the sheepfold to pastures and water. The sheep would not have recognized the name 
the voice of a strange shepherd. And if we look back at chapter 9, this is exactly what happened. The blind man heard the voice of Jesus and responded by acknowledging that this is his true shepherd. Jesus led him to a fantastic pasture of provision and protection, and he enjoyed the benefits of being led by the true shepherd. The Pharisees were heartless towards that man. They claimed authority over his life, but they eventually, they didn't care, and they, they actually just kicked him out of the synagogue. So verse 1 to 6 is a picture of Jesus gathering a flock, a, a flock of people from the fold of Israel. He called his sheep by name and he led them out. That's what Jesus was doing then and that's what Jesus is doing today. He is continuously calling out our names and leading us. We need to respond with an open heart that allows the shepherd to lead us and to guide us, to protect us. But in verse 6, it says that these people actually didn't understand what Jesus was trying to say. So he went on to say, okay, let me, let me try and make this easier for you to understand. I'm, I'm going to have to get a little bit more specific. So from verse 7 to 10, it says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you again, I'm about to give you a truth. I need you to pay attention I am the door of the sheep. He said, I've been talking about shepherds and doors and that. I am that door. I am the entrance for the sheep. Verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If I think of doors, I think of two aspects. A door provides an entrance or access into a place, but it also provides protection. And you know what, folks, we are faced with many doors every day, every day of our life. Doors to success, fame. The, the world offers us opportunities, which initially may be, look like something good, but it doesn't really lead to the fullness of what God has for your life. Jesus is saying that he is the door. He's not a door, he's the door. He's not giving us options. He's saying that if we want to experience life and life in abundance, we need to enter that door. If I think of the concept of entrance, now, there was another sheepfold set up. If the sheep were out in the pastures and they couldn't get back to the village by night, the shepherd would set up another type of sheepfold. He would take rocks or branches and create an enclosure, uh, a wall with one entrance. And he would shuffle all his sheep into, through the one entrance into that sheepfold for the evening. But that entrance did not have a door. Guess who became the door? The shepherd. The shepherd would position himself in this one entrance and function as the door to protect his sheep. 
The scripture goes on to say that if anyone enters by me, they will experience certain promises. And he mentions three things. He says, you will be saved. In John 14 verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. When we accept what Jesus has done for us, when we walk through that door, we receive everything that he has given to us. He forgives us of our sins, he brings restoration, and he brings us back into relationship with God. But it also says that you will go in and out, and you will find pastures. A pasture speaks about a full life, a life of overflowing, a deep life, a joyful life. God hasn't just called us to, to survive. He's called us to thrive in life. So the sheepfold, it does provide protection and security. But if I can be a little bit more graphic, if the sheep had to stay in that sheepfold, they would have died. Because the sheep, once they finish eating all the grass, they start to eat everything else that's on the ground, which is the excrement from the other sheep. They would have died. The shepherd needs to take the sheep out into the pasture. And Jesus wants that for our lives. He doesn't just want us to be saved. He wants us to be in and out. This morning when we were praying, we prayed a bit into this, this, this verse. And the sense we had is that when we go into the sheepfold and we experience the good shepherd, he wants us to go out and to share the good news with others. And there's this continuous movement, this ebb and flow of coming into the sheepfold, experience the goodness of the, the good shepherd being protected and secured, but going out and, and, and taking life and abundance to those around us. The world has nothing to compare with the pastures of the Lord. And then the idea of protection. Jesus refers to, he says, all who came before me, we're thieves and robbers. And I thought about that. I'm like, okay, what is it? Why has he been so tough on these guys? Why did he use that description? The Pharisees tried to introduce works and rituals in order to achieve access to the kingdom of God. But we all know there was no reconciliation between man and God by following a set of rules. Not at all. They the, the Pharisees perhaps saw themselves as the doorway of righteousness. Follow these rules and you will live a blessed life. No, you need to experience the personal relationship with the good shepherd in order to, to enjoy that. And what happened was then these, because they put all these rules and rituals in place, they, they stole life from the sheep. It, it brought death, stealing, killing, destroying. There was no life in it. In, verse, in chapter 10, verse 10, it says, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance. If we look at those promises that we've just read and we put it into that portion, we could read it as, I came that they may be saved, have life, and go in and out and find pasture, have abundant life, a life of protection, been saved, a life of plenty out in the pasture. The Pharisees, they cast the blind man out of the synagogue. What did Jesus do? He cast the synagogue out of the blind man. And he removed, he freed that man from those, 
those laws and, and everything that was holding the life back from him. Jesus freed him. He removed that away from the blind man. Jesus speaking about himself as the door. Then in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus has just said, okay, I've identified the door, I'm the door, but I'm also the good shepherd. We've, we've, we've heard that the shepherd is one who nourishes, who protects, who provides, who brings plenty, who leads, who saves, who takes his sheep into the pasture. But there's one other element that Jesus adds. He says, I am the good shepherd because I laid down my life for my sheep. And that is something that separates Jesus from any other shepherd the world has ever seen. In the Old Testament, the sheep had to die for the shepherd. Based on the law, and the, there had to be a, a blood sacrifice that had to be presented to God in order to, to cleanse man of their sin. But in the New Testament, the shepherd died for the sheep. Such a beautiful picture. The shepherd only had to die once. This portion that talks about the wolf that comes. Folks, that wolf is not having a bad day. That wolf, that the wolf doesn't come to you day in and day out. That wolf represented sin, death, and judgment. And Jesus, the good shepherd, he laid down his life and he dealt with the wolf. Let's not worry about the wolf in our lives. Hammond came to me at halftime and says, Rick, are you wearing a wolf shirt for any specific reason? I forgot I had it on. So if you can't see, there's a picture of a wolf here. There's no symbolism here. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. And uh, the shepherd is in the doorway. If you're in the fold, he's there. The only way that the wolf can get to the sheep is if he goes through the shepherd. Jesus compares himself to a hired hand. Now, what was a hired hand? It was, it was let's say, a shepherd in training that was positioned in the village sheepfold to, um, to look after all the sheep. He was paid a wage. So there was incentive for him to be there. And if there was any sign of danger, do you think he would have hung around? No. He's like, there's one of me, there's 500 sheep. If I head off in that direction, my chances are pretty good. Maybe he would lose, you know, he would lose the title of the city's best 
gatekeeper, but he could start his business over again. No, the, the, the good shepherd is the one who is bound. He is invested in the life of the sheep. And I've realized that hearing all of this, sheep need a shepherd in order to survive. There's so many voices that we are uh, bombarded with on a daily basis. So many doors that are put in front of us and we need to make the right decision. Are you going to listen to the voice of the good shepherd? Are you going to enter in through the door that, is, that brings life and life in abundance? In Psalm 100 verse 3, it says, We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The good shepherd knows me personally. It's not just about care for the flock. And we see this in Luke 15 verse 4 where the shepherd is willing to leave the 99 in order to go and find that one sheep that has strayed. Jesus, if, if, if you were the only person here on earth, Jesus would still have gone to the cross to die for you. He still would have sacrificed his life. And here's an amazing thing that Jesus says. He refers to his relationship with the sheep as his relationship with the father. He says, as the father and I are one, so are the sheep and the shepherd. Doesn't that give you confidence? How closer can Jesus and God the Father be? It is the ultimate expression of a good relationship. Jesus sees his relationship with you in that way. That's incredible. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd twice. He says, I lay my life down for the sheep twice. In this portion, what is he trying to say? I'm emphasizing, I'm affirming that I'm committed to what I'm saying. Amen and amen, so be it. But in order to, for us to be saved, he had to give his life. Jesus had the authority to lay his life down, but he also had the authority to become alive again. He had the authority to take it up. He's the only person in the history of mankind that was able to become undead through his own authority. No other person has been able to do this. And can you see this beautiful picture that, yes, Jesus may have died. I think the devil must have thought, okay, the shepherd's gone. Wolves, let's, let's start snatching and scattering. But what happened? The shepherd returned. No, never ever, never ever, to go away again. Jesus, if you are in the sheepfold, he is in that entrance. He is in that doorway. He protects you. He provides for you. And yes, there are times we go out into that, the big bad world. He takes us into the pasture. But if we stay close to Jesus, he will protect us. He will lead us. Just as we conclude this message today, as I was praying for the service I felt like the Lord wanted to minister to, to three groups of people. And in that last portion that I've read, the first group, Jesus, that I want to uh, make reference to is Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. Jesus was referring to the Gentiles and the non-Jewish people. And he says this, this good news, 
this message of, of love and acceptance is not just for the Jewish nation, it's for the Gentiles also. He was referring to that, but there are other sheep here today. Everybody who has never ever received Jesus as their good shepherd is considered an other sheep. And Jesus is saying, I must bring them in. I will do anything that I can. Luke 15 verse 4, the shepherd went to look for the lost sheep. The sheep was clueless, didn't know that he was lost. The shepherd had to go and fetch and guide him back. Jesus is doing that for people here today. If you've never received Jesus as your good shepherd, you have an opportunity to do that today. The second group of people is perhaps you are one of those lost sheep. You've been in the sheepfold and you've just, you've wandered off. You, you haven't gone back. You're in the pasture. You've consumed everything that the shepherd had given to you and now you are just consuming everything that the world brings to you. And you know, folks, that's a dangerous place to be because we will indulge in what the world gives to us. If the shepherd doesn't come and lead us away from that, we will continue to eat and eat and eat and indulge in not the pasture that Jesus has for you. And then the third group of people, you're committed to God, you're in the sheep pen, you, you allow him to lead you. But sometimes Jesus leads us from pasture to pasture and between the pastures, there are dark valleys. And sometimes we're like, oh boy, I, I better just stay close to Jesus because I'm not sure what's happening here. And that journey to the next pasture seems pretty intense. I feel like God is wanting to encourage you to stay close to the shepherd Listen out for his voice. Listen out to him calling you specifically because he hasn't left. The proximity of your good shepherd and you, unless you've pushed him away, he's there. He's right there with you. Jesus was raised to be the great shepherd of the sheep. Hebrews 13 verse 20 and 21 says, and he is leading us today. And if you feel like you're part of that group, I'd like you to, to close your eyes. And I'd like to pray Psalm 30, 23 for us. The Lord is my shepherd. And I would like you to, to take this moment because I believe Psalm 23 can minister into whatever situation you're in. Why don't you close your eyes? Father, thank you that your word brings life. Lord, we come before you, Lord, just as simple sheep. And sometimes we stray, sometimes we don't hear your voice, sometimes we try and figure things out ourselves, Lord, and we, we, we become doers to try and rectify things, but you, you just want us to follow you. Jesus, we invite you to, to lead us this morning, help us to hear your voice clearly. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. For you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me every single day.